0: The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy.
1: Hey, you so hard down there?
0: Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy. On Cofield and Company. Company.
2: Right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. Silver Sevens football frenzy. Remember, seventy-seven cent beers are back for March Madness. Also, the tremendous food and drink special: seven seventy-seven for two hot dogs, twenty-two ounce beer, two bags of chips. Just seven seventy-seven here at Silver Sevens. <laughs> Diana Rossini, ESPN. Big breaking news: Aaron Rodgers will be informing the Packers of his decision soon, per league sources.
1: <laughs> Let, let's run with it. Uh, not vague at all. I like it. Now we have a now we have a time soon. I, this is, I mean, this is what he said, right? That he said he would not drag it too far into the transition tag period um, that has just started. We've got the combine next week. Which, by the way, looks like it's going to be warm. Very good news for everyone. Uh, then you've got right after that. I mean, the 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 franchise tag period ends. You've got free agency coming up around there. Like he understands that last year he dragged it out, but he understands that there are decisions to be made, and he promised that it wouldn't happen. Now the big question is: if he does want to leave, will the Packers honor the promise they supposedly made last year, which was? come back, play this season. If you still want out after the year and you want to be traded, we'll trade you. Now that is an understanding that we believe that they had, that they kind of said publicly that they made with him, but didn't really confirm. But what does that even mean? Like the Packers could come out and say, Hey, we tried to honor his request, but nobody made a legitimate offer. And what does that mean? I mean, some, some team could be, we'll give you seven first round picks. And the Packers could still say, no, we want more? Hey, we tried. So it, it's really it's really vague in a lot of areas of what exactly it would mean if Aaron Rodgers did say, okay, trade me, because the Packers don't have to accept a trade. They could say that they're trying to trade him, but we don't know what that would entail, what would an offer be. And if, if Aaron Rodgers says, hey, I've worked out a deal, trade me to whatever, San Francisco. And then the Packers c- c- could say, "Well, San Francisco offered us one first-round pick. We got offered four first-round picks from somebody else. Why would we trade you to San Francisco?" Like th- th- there is a lot of moving pieces there. That's why I still think most likely that he's either coming back to Green Bay or retiring. But also who knows at this point? But we do have some some firm information that it'll be soon. <laughs>
2: Well, we don't have to wait for the moving pieces in the TV analyst world, the football analyst world, right? We've heard all about Amazon coming out of the scene. There's been chatter about Al Michaels moving somewhere, maybe Amazon, yeah, maybe a pairing of Al Michaels and Troy Aikman, whose contract was up with Fox, and you could see him getting a bit – Bitter and annoyed. I don't know what he was doing. He was doing a rant one game that he was on a bad game. Well, looks like he's going to land with ESPN. No longer with Fox. Buck, Aikman, that glorious era is done.
1: Yeah. I mean, is it really glorious? Like, I know that for some reason people enjoy Troy Aikman. I can't tell you why. Well, first of all, I mean, the the, the biggest thing is, How many people actually tune in because of a broadcaster? I can't imagine as many. Or tune out. I don't think that that really impacts either way. Um, But Aikman is the master of just stating the obvious thing on the field. There's no real excitement or enthusiasm. I think he's fine at the job. He's fine. But there's nothing exciting about it. There's nothing that's going to get people to tune in. There's nothing different. It's just him... Commenting about the game in a very, you know, clear, direct, concise way that's not going to get anybody excited. Uh, so I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense that this was the guy that they went out and said, "Hey, we're going to give twenty million dollars a year to whatever it is." It seems crazy to me, but this is who they wanted. They pinpointed him, they targeted him, and they went and got him. And I guess the good news is we don't have to hear him on Sundays anymore on their league game. <laughs> that's probably positive. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't see. Again, and again he's fine. So I don't want to I don't want to rip him in that way. It's fine. But but that like that right there is a problem. That's
2: that's the glowing review of a guy who is a hot commodity for folks like us, he's fine. But I'll always go back to there are, there are a lot of people who must really like Troy Aikman and connect with him. So for ESPN, they think this is a big well, a big big deal and uh, by the way, it's also going to affect Monday Night Football. I don't know who the lead will be, but I would assume they ain't doing a three-man booth anymore. So I don't know what's going on with Riddick and you know if Riddick's in line to get the Steelers job once Kevin Colbert retires. By the way, if Riddick's going to get the Steelers job, he better get it before the draft. That would be stupid, right? He yeah. has to be involved there and then I have no idea what'll happen to Brian Greasy.
1: Well, to the to the point of people connect with Troy Aikman, I don't know if it's people connecting with Troy Aikman the broadcaster or Troy Aikman, the quarterback of the team that everybody said they cheered for when he was the quarterback of the Cowboys. like th- I think that's yeah. that's kind of what and that, it is. That could lead to a hateability
2: factor as well because what you want is someone who's polarizing and people could just tune in because they're like, I hate the Cowboys, I don't like Troy Aikman, so whatever he says I think is stupid. I, don't, I just don't I don't think he really says anything. Does
1: anybody hate vanilla ice cream?
2: No. I mean, they could be ambivalent to it, which, 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 by the way, you can't. If, if anyone's ambivalent to Troy Aikman, then he cannot go to ESPN for more money. So, most people must have some opinion on him.
1: On him, I think he's vanilla ice cream. Maybe he's like chocolate chip, like it's vanilla with like a little bit of something. But then you're like you're almost suggesting he's a safe choice. Like, why would they want to?
2: Why is this stealing away something? If he's a that's, what I, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying
1: but they have safe I choices
2: don't... now in Riddick and, and Greasy. They 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 must believe that he is a big step up, and they must have done studies on the viewers. And there's
1: got to be strong opinions on both sides on Aikman. Right, but to me, I think the problem with those kind of surveys isn't – I, like I would guess, and I have no idea. I'm just making this up. I've never been in a room where they do these studies that they don't play like audio of broadcasters doing a game and saying, what do you think of this? They're like, what do you think of Troy Aikman? Oh, yeah, that guy that played quarterback for the Cowboys. I like him. Like I think that's what it is. I don't think it's, hey, here's an audio sample of a game – Do you like how this guy's calling the game and and don't attach a name to it? And again, I'm completely making this up. I don't know. But I I can't imagine anybody's listening to his broadcast and being like, that's the guy I want to listen to. I love it. I will say I do think there's potential
2: on ESPN for him to get better. They can kind of force him to get better because they do use uh, Greasy and Riddick in different roles. And I, I don't know, if I were a... Listen, I don't know the economics of TV, but if I were going to pay $16, $18 million to get someone as an analyst, he's going to be on a lot of shows besides just the game. Now, does he have potential to be a lightning rod that way? Maybe. He said a couple of things on some podcasts that I thought were interesting sure. basically when he got all mad because everyone said Pat Mahomes is already better than him. <laughs>
1: so right. when he says stuff like that, it's good. Sure. I mean, isn't that just him whining about history and legacy? And, so all what? I, I, and that's fine. I, I mean, guess. Charles Barkley whines about stuff all
2: the time and people love him.
1: True. I mean, Barkley's
2: in the back in my day thing, but he at some also time
1: to time. he also crushes current players, which is what people really like about him. Huh? Touche. Is Aikman going to do that? I, I haven't heard it. Maybe he does. Maybe he goes to Monday Night Football, and maybe he told them that he's like, "Hey, give me the big bucks, and I'm going to let it fly." <laughs> I'm I'm dumping bananas and hot fudge and whipped cream all over this vanilla <laughs> vanilla ice cream. I mean, I would, I would
2: love for him to do like weekly segments. Are you better than this quarterback? And just throw up analytic numbers and you know. 13 of 17 weeks, you can come up with a quarterback where you're like, Troy, you're not as good as him. So every week it would be – Put your rings away. It would be, are you better than this quarterback? And every week, yes. Right. And then they show <laughs> the numbers and they're like, "Man, eh, not really. Let's watch some highlights of how many errant throws you had. And then a couple of plays later, you're like, yay, we won. Emmett Smith on the line just got the job done. Or, you know, Michael Irvin saved my ass on a poorly placed pass. I mean, that would be great. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think that's going to be if – there- if anything is in the terms of the $18 million a year, that will be in there. We're not – throwing up analytics on how good I or bad I
1: was. If that's true, I'm in. Give me, give me, give me Aikman as the broadcaster. Give me that, that broadcast. Uh, let's switch directions. we got tournament time coming up here in Las
2: Vegas. Uh, a little more on the Pac-12 tournament, a lot more on the Pac-12 tournament. It's going to be a great tournament. Uh, superpowers at the top of the conference, and it's all going down uh, in town from uh, March 6th to the 12th at multiple arenas, the men's all featured at. T-Mobile, as we're going to talk to uh, one of the play-by-play voices of the Pac-12, J.B. Long.
0: Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Back from under center, steps back, throws the fade, back shoulder, Cooper Cup's got it! Cooper Cup brings
3: it in. Touchdown! 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 LA! With 1:25 remaining, the Rams
0: are back on the high side. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company.
2: College basketball turning weeks coming up five different conferences in town pac-12 is one of them it's one of the big ones at t-mobile pac-12.com back uh, backslash tickets to get your tickets at t-mobile the men's slate goes from march 9th to the 12th you hear jb long on the rams call there he's the voice of the rams he's also one of the voices of the pac-12 and gives Stephen adam here in vegas a little time to preview the rest of the season review some of the season around the pac-12 jb how you doing
3: Adam, Steve, I'm doing great. Thank you for the invitation. Hope you're doing well.
2: Oh, we're doing really well. Well, we're both uh, college basketball junkies going back years and years and years, and we're both longtime Las Vegas people, so you can only imagine how thrilled we are that college basketball has so much of it is now here in Vegas. And frankly, I think Vegas has been great for the uh, the basketball tournaments. I think it's going to be really good for the football title game. Um, you know, What do you think about what Vegas has done uh, in partnership with the Pac-12?
3: But, yeah, I'm looking forward to being there in a couple of weekends as well. My wife and I are going on a little couple's trip, a little post-football season decompression uh, right about that same time. So looking forward to it. Uh, I know the Pac-12 tournament has really thrived there. I agree with your sentiments on the football championship game. Uh, I'm married to an Arizona Wildcat, so I hear all the time about how Las Vegas turns into Tucson North during that weekend in March when the Pac-12 descends on t-mobile arena so all good things and uh, i guess i should be saying merry christmas to you that's the time of year it is yeah. uh, for some hoop heads like you guys
2: yeah we know uh and it is merry christmas you're at right, holiday time um you know we we know about the history of arizona we've seen the crowds up here and i expect that they're they're mostly back uh with tommy lloyd i mean it is really one of the surprise stories of the season i, I think you know we all believe they had a chance with the roster they had but i mean they've been unbelievable
3: They really have, and uh, you brought me on with a little bit of Rams flavor there, and I feel like two of the parallel themes right now in my uh, working life are the Sean McVay coaching tree and the the Gonzaga Mark Hugh coaching tree, Uh, because Tommy Lloyd has uh, done really great things in Tucson with uh, mostly an inherited roster, and he's kind of breathed life into the way they play, and they've got one of, if not still the largest leads in a conference standing in all of uh, power basketball. and. It won't be long until they clinch to the Pac-12, I'm sure, and I'm looking for actually being in Tucson for their regular season finale against Cal. When they, uh, if they haven't cut down the nets already, we'll will do that ceremonial skip and then make their way to Las Vegas to try and uh, also win the tournament title.
1: Yeah, they should probably have that done in advance. I mean, they, they are running away with this conference, but how, I guess how confident should they be going into the tournament that they'll be able to do the same thing in the tournament that they did all year long?
3: Well, I think their brand really translates to postseason basketball. And, you know, going back to Sean Miller's tenure when he had phenomenal talent, really great regular season and Pac-12 results, but could not really ever get to that final destination, my recollection, my sentiment was that they bogged down on offense. This Arizona team uh, is the opposite of that. They're one of the most offensively efficient. They have a great defense as well. Their defense leads to offense. And they are one way to the rim, all gas, no brakes. And so I think they're a difficult matchup because even if they're not shooting it well, they're going to drive the agenda. They're going to make their hay at the free-throw line. And I think they're the type that can survive in advance even if they catch a team that's bent on beating them.
1: I want to talk about uh, USC and UCLA in a second as well. But Oregon is a team. We know how well-coached they are. We know they always have talent. They're kind of lingering back a little bit. Uh, but they, they tend to play well in the postseason and, and get things going at the right time. So how dangerous is that team?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, there's no such thing as a moral victory in college basketball, but they were as close as you could ever come that game that they lost in Arizona on the national showcase. That was tremendous, but it did not go down as a quad one win for them when they really needed. It. I think they're two and four in quad one. Uh, their net ranking is closer to 70 than 60, which is not a good place to be as the calendar turns to March. So, uh, I believe that they are one of the best teams in the Pac-12 as it stands today. I think they are a tournament-caliber roster and certainly coaching staff if they're given that opportunity. I just don't feel great about where their metrics are as it stands. However, there are plenty of opportunities ahead for Oregon, including taking their shot at home now against a couple of ranked L.A. programs at UCLA and USC.
2: J.B. Long, one of the voices of the Pac-12. Talking a little hoops with uh, Steven Adam here at Silver 7s right here on
1: ESPN Las Vegas. So I, I just mentioned USC and UCLA. I think one of my great regrets of, uh, of Super Bowl week is they played each other when I was down there in LA and I didn't get out to the game. Uh, but these teams are obviously very good. We knew coming into the season they'd be very good. Um, which one of these teams are you think do you think is more likely uh, to win here in Vegas and then maybe make a deep run in the postseason?
3: Well, man, it's a good thing you weren't at Galen Center on that Saturday night because you might have been trampled and missed the Super Bowl in that court storming. Uh, I think if you were to take USC out of it, UCLA would be the more direct and proven answer to that question. But there's something about the Trojans that give the Bruins problems. They never seem to be at their best when they take on USC, whether it's at Galen or at Pauley Pavilion. And the Enfield and the Trojans have simply had their number, and it's still pushing early Nick Cronin's tenure, but um, there's enough there that it's something. So if they can get around USC, if they don't have to collide with USC, I think UCLA is once again built for a Final Four trip. Uh, USC is more balanced. They don't have as much high-end talent as they did last year with Evan Mobley. His brother, though, is one of the more complete players in the West, as I'm sure you're aware. And now that he's back from that nose injury that had him out for a, a brief spell, I think they're poised to take it to the next level. And for me, Boogie Ellis, their point guard, is the key to unlocking that next level. The fact that he hit a buzzer beater, take down Washington State last week here in Los Angeles, hopefully jumpstarts his stretch run.
2: Pac12.com backslash tickets. That's how you get your tickets for the big event Pac12 tournament coming up at T-Mobile here. In Las Vegas, so you called Washington and Washington State. Both are fascinating stories because Washington really needed to have a good season because last year was just dreadful bad luck and bad results. Uh, Wazoo winds up getting the win, but, you know, you mentioned Oregon and the numbers. They're not good. For the longest time, Washington State's numbers were good, but then they had a chance to play everyone that mattered, and they had a couple of close games, but they wound up losing all five.
3: Yeah, they've really stumbled through a tough stretch, uh, and their net's approaching 50 now. So that was a big win for them to hold serve on the Palouse on Wednesday against their in-state rival. Now, Kyle Smith, they play a a nerd ball brand where I think they they kind of play the system. Um, And I don't mean that in any derogatory way. They just are ahead of the game in terms of what the metrics are looking for and how they can achieve to the best of their roster ability. Believe it or not, I think they have one of the best front courts in the Pac-12, and there are a lot of good front courts, but F.A. Abegidi at 6'10", and Muhammad Gay at 6'11", are phenomenal, and the way they carved up that Washington-Mike Hopkins zone the other night was really impressive. Um, daring Gay to shoot from that mid-post area, he was willing to do it, uh, and then going and attacking the offensive glass with Abigidi. And I have that game on Saturday. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Huskies do to adjust, because not only at the offensive end, but Washington State also is an underrated defensive team, and they took the Pac-12's leading scorer, Terrell Brown, mostly out-of-the-box score.
1: I, I like to gawk at disasters, so you might not be surprised to know, like, I can't wait to watch Oregon State play. Uh, <laughs> what is what is going on? Uh,
3: if I had an answer to that question, Wayne Tick would probably bring me on staff to right. Corvallis to help solve the puzzle. Um, they probably just wish that they could fast-forward through The calendar and get to Las Vegas and trying to tap into some of that magic they had there last spring because uh, it has not been pretty in Corvallis. Uh, I think they're 0 for quad 1 and quad 2, and uh, they scheduled up because of the success they had last year and the progress they thought they were making on the program. Unfortunately, it backfired on them. Uh, and, you know, I know two out of the last three years, the, the last two full tournaments that we've played in Las Vegas, there's been a team that's know, run the table four games and four nights and punch their automatic berth. I think that's possible again this year, but I would say the odds are stacked against Oregon State being that.
2: So, JB, what was it like uh, in the aftermath of the Super Bowl win by the Rams in in L.A.? What were those next couple of days like?
3: Oh, I still feel like I'm wrapping my head around it, Uh, but in a period of about three days, uh, we went from you know, confetti falling at SoFi Stadium to being on stage with Sean McVay and a bunch of uh, very happy, very intoxicated uh, superstars who are on top of the world in more ways than one. Uh, and they're talking about running it back and giving it another go when there seemed to be this, not say a cloud looming over them, but there was this specter of maybe Aaron Donald and Sean McVay uh, not coming back next season. I know our fan base was really relieved to hear that those were not their true feelings, their true sentiments, and that there will be a chance to repeat. Um, but that was... Uh, the type of win, and I would say the type of postseason run, because I don't think you can overlook the NFC championship game taking down San Francisco either. That was monumental in terms of accelerating the growth curve of, you know, the next generation of Rams fans. I've got young boys, five and two, and they don't know anything other than Rams football in Los Angeles. Um, that's not been the case for the better part of two decades in front of them, and so that's going to take some overcoming. But this type of season and those types of championship moments in Inglewood uh, do, a, do a lot. I think, to um, ingratiate professional football and the Los Angeles Rams to this community.
2: Yeah, we're going to have a similar deal here. You know, people uh, get on the the Raiders, well, the the atmosphere, because at times the the audience can be 50-50, 60-40, maybe in favor of the Raiders, and it's going to be the same thing in L.A. until that next generation really becomes hardcore fans, and that'll probably take, you know, five, eight years, and that's if both organizations are winning.
3: Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to have a home field advantage, but it is interesting that we're having this conversation at a time in the NFL where the home field advantage has almost been eradicated from the game. And that's that's not just a one-year COVID deal. That's, that's kind of a multi-year sample size right now. And I will say, from an objective standpoint, it is pretty fun to be in an environment where no matter what happens on the field, there's a roar and there's a
4: groan, right?
3: Like that kind of peak, neutral, bowl game-type atmosphere. Right makes Sundays really fun, yeah, yeah. but, of course, from an organizational standpoint, you want, you know, generations of season ticket holders and a wait line for your seat licenses and, uh, and sold-out royal and soul crowds every Sunday at SoFi Stadium.
2: So I saw rumors today of a uh, training facility, you know, headquarters being built for the Rams. I don't know where you live in L.A., but I have some familiarity with the traffic problems there and how long it takes to get everywhere would – a, a Woodland Hills facility help you versus uh, Thousand Oaks
3: it would shorten up a potential commute if that's how it plays out the Rams, I think have passed a pretty wide net uh, training in Irvine down in Orange County and practicing up in Thousand Oaks in Ventura County and then obviously playing in Los Angeles County uh, trying to I think expand their reach uh, make it uh, make life livable for you know fans and employees you have, uh, to consider and cost of living and all the other dynamics, but uh, I think the untold story of this five-year run of success that the Rams have had under Sean McVay, they've done it all out of, like, mobile temporary trailers uh, and a facility that doesn't even have, like, a permanent uh, kitchen. So it's, it's all been put together really, really well. You compare that to, like, the star in Dallas and the perceived competitive advantages that maybe the Cowboys and others might have compared to the Rams. It's uh, been just the opposite of that. They've, especially in the COVID era, been blessed to have like an outdoor tent and a practice facility and weight room that used to be makeshift and now it's right. almost uh, strategic.
2: Yeah, the uh, the Raiders facility is probably within 10 minutes of where almost every Raiders player and coach lives in Henderson. And what? Well, how, how far is the facility from the stadium? What is it? Less than 10 miles, right out? Of, oh yeah, something it, like that. Yeah, like a nine-minute so, drive. So I, I I agree with your point about a competitive advantage because it is a pain in the keister so the way Rams have. Have been operating. So, well, enjoy your trip uh, to Vegas and hopefully we see you out here uh, during the tournament and we appreciate the time.
3: Absolutely. I appreciate your support of Pac 12 basketball and I hope uh, they put on a great show for you. I, I think they will.
2: Thanks, JB. There it is. JB Long, voice of the Rams, one of the voices of the Pac 12. You can get your uh, Pac 12 tournament tickets at T Mobile. It's March 9th to the 12th. You can get it at pac 12com slash tickets, and remember, the women are here as well, and they're going to be playing at Mick Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay. That actually starts really early, like next week on March 2nd, and we know there's some really good teams, legendary programs in the Pac-12 on the women's side. I know uh, Willie's going to be our guy on that. He'll be all over that tournament when the Pac-12 lands here in town. Did you see that story about Woodland Hills could be the location? you know, for a permanent headquarters for the Rams. I well, know you're excited. Um, well, I mean, I'm familiar with the area because the SO is sure. from Woodland Hills. Sure. I already sent her a screenshot. She's actually in L.A. right now. I sent her a screenshot, so I'm sure she'll be all geeked up, even though she's not a, a Rams fan because that's her home area. I mean, you know L.A. Uh, Thousand Oaks, while wow, beautiful and ritzy, is far away. I know L.A. Now, now, now Woodland Hills about.
1: is it, it, it's just down the road, but it's closer to L.A. And stop sure. with the it's L.A. or it's not L.A. I mean, I know L.A. area. I don't know much about Thousand Oaks or Woodland Hills, but yeah, Woodland Hills would be, I think, more more advantageous and beneficial. Uh, it is, listen, it's one thing people talk about there, but it, it's true. You don't know how long it's even going to take you to get to places. It's crazy. Um, I talked to people down there that said they t- they just go places two hours early so they can go sit at a coffee shop somewhere because they don't know how long it's going to take them to get places. It's nuts. So, yes, a more convenient place I think would be good for a lot of people.
0: Sign up for an A-play card and unlock some great food specials at the Sterling Spoon Cafe at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. One owns a meat slicer, the other an air fryer. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield & Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans.
3: I'm trying
2: to think of everything Adam Hill is oddly infatuated with, and I think leading the way is Indianapolis, which you stand up for almost to a a distressing standpoint. You're heading to Indy for like two weeks coming up for the Combine. I think the Combine's like three days, but he's decided to take a vacation to be around Indy for two weeks. The other thing that you love and each his own is Peacock. Oh, what a tremendous app. I, I, I don't even know you you just mentioned during the break. Ever read the terms of service on a streaming service? And I'm like, what?
1: And then you wanted to tell this whole story about Peacock. What's going on here? So nobody ever reads them, right? You you click on an app, you you accept. It says do you it says do you accept terms of service? Right.
2: And you say yes. Which by the way, I should have read for Sling because clearly somewhere in the terms of service is the sentence you can never cancel us. Uh, you want me to tell you something else? Sling can go. Now
1: no, what? Not a no, no sponsor. Now no. what happened? They don't sponsor They could be soon.
2: Uh, there's an AE working on it right now. But don't, go ahead. To be don't, honest.
1: Don't save this clip, Ari. Sling can go F themselves. Now what? If You know that I, for some reason, and this is partly my fault, I still have. you know you have all the apps on your TV. Yep. I still have the app on there. Yep. I don't know why. Yep. It's still on there. Do you know that even if you've canceled, if you accidentally click on the app, and I've done it like twice over the last year, they'll bill you for that month. It doesn't say, like, do you want to re-sign up? Nothing like that. You just click on the app, and then you get a charge on your bill. And I've been able to get them reversed, but that is a disaster. So clearly I should have deleted the app, but whatever. Can
2: you keep talking? Because I actually, I forgot my payment (laughs) date's coming up. I've canceled (laughs) it. This will be the ninth time I've canceled it. Uh, uh,
1: I canceled something yesterday that I signed up for at the beginning of the pandemic. Never canceled it. Paid $13 a month every single month. Never used it. And I finally was like, you know what, I'm finally canceling this now. So I'm with you. Uh, but, um, you know, when you sign up for an app or something like that, if, if like a streaming service, so when you sign up for, say, Peacock, you say subscribe, enter your information, and then it says, do you agree to the terms of service? And you just say yes, you don't scroll through it. Well, apparently, people started finally scrolling through it. And buried deep in the terms of service is a chili recipe. I think they're just testing to see if anybody's going to read it, which obviously they haven't. And they buried a chili recipe on the terms of service. Now, if you know about Peacock, which I've preached about every single day, you know that one of the big selling points of Peacock is The Office, which is on Peacock. There's a very famous scene where Kevin talks about his famous chili recipe. So this recipe buried in the terms of service for Peacock that nobody ever reads is for chili. Is for Kevin's secret chili, and I propose that you try to make it. I certainly can. Are cancel. you going to send it to me? Yeah, sure. If you want. I mean, it's 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 spelled out. Uh, there is, I think the secret ingredient is the beer. Always important when you make chili. Throw that in there. Uh, so, are you? Are you? You're canceling. Your I told you I was right canceling now? while you're doing this. Uh, that, I can juggle
2: I'm taking a picture of and I might take a video hold on let me do a video this is just to show that it actually <laughs> happened it wasn't just a, a photo yeah give me the I Francesca like music no one talk I gotta concentrate I like it all right <laughs> the video is on cancel subscription
1: I'm not telling you why now it's asking me why I did it by the way with what I, I just said I canceled something yesterday finally and it said, why? And I said, because I signed up for it 18 months ago, and I forgot I even had it, and I've been paying $13 every month without even using it. Completely obnoxious. Um, four dried ancho chilies. Oh, wow. Uh, two tablespoons of natural oil. Three pounds of ground beef. 80-20 or 85-15. 80, uh, two medium yellow onions. Six cloves of garlic, a large jalapeno pound or a tablespoon of oregano uh, ground cumin cayenne pepper tomato paste 2 12 ounce bottles of beer preferably lager or pale ale pinto beans beef stock chopped ripe tomatoes kosher salt and scallions shredded jack cheese and sour cream for topping
2: that doesn't sound like Cincinnati chili no
1: I might be out it's good chili and you trust yes. Kevin yeah. Now, do you remember the scene? He brought in like a giant, a giant vat of this chili for the whole office. And he gets there before the, before work opens to have it ready for everybody when they get there. And then he dropped it on the floor. Just covered it. <laughs> Poor guy. How many times do you think you've seen that episode? I've watched it straight. I've watched the office straight through six times. Um, I've stopped. After season seven a couple times, to be honest, because season eight and nine are awful. Um, but I've probably seen that episode individually, I don't know, 12, 13 times, maybe more. It's incredible. I have watched an, an episode of The Office every day for like the last six years, probably.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. We get money. Dollar, dollar bill, it's Coalfield and Company's Eye on Sports betting. betting. With Brad Powers.
2: All right, let's get to it. You know, we always say there is no off-season for football, and Brad Powers is especially good on college football. We definitely want to get to that. Brad's up here on a Thursday. Brad, how you doing, buddy?
4: Doing well. Thanks for having me on.
2: Well, let's talk about what's going on in college football, and it's it's been developing over the last couple of months. And I'll tie it into this. Uh, UNLV is rumored to have filled both its coordinator spots, OC and DC. Now, there might be Rebels fans who are like, oh, my God, they're dead in the water with new coordinators. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out. But this situation is not uncommon across college football. The coaching movement has been incredible.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, starting off, I mean, you got about 30 new staff as far as, you know, brand-new head coach uh, in college football out of 130 teams. So that, that's, you know, up there with, with among the, the most uh, in, in since I've been following the last 15 years or so. But something, if you just dive one step further into it, I mean, you're talking about half the teams have had to replace uh, a coordinator, so offensive or defense coordinator so. I mean, that, I just think that's tremendous turnover where it's going to require a lot of work, specifically offensive coordinator because, you know, one way you can make some money is, you know, if a team's going to slow or, or slow their tempo or go more up tempo, I mean, obviously you bet totals, uh, you got to do some legwork. And when you got 60 plus different coordinators, uh, that, that you got to kind of analyze a lot, sometimes the first time coordinators, uh, requires you doing a little bit of legwork compared to what you, you know, I had to do 10, 15 years ago. With
2: UNLV, does it matter that the coach calls the plays, the head coach, Marcus Arroyo calls the plays? Is that that lessen the impact of a new O.C. being, you know, a, a down a down thing?
4: Yeah, so it will in that regard. So another thing you got to do is just because there's a coordinator doesn't necessarily mean that, that, that the play caller is going to necessarily change That That's stuff you have to do. You know, I'm not a big fan of Marcus Arroyo, the play caller. Uh, with that being said, I thought he did a decent job last year relative to expectations. I mean, UNLV was an underdog in every game last year. We're able to win a couple, and, and a couple of them, I think, you know, had there been some better game management, probably could have won a couple more games. But, yeah, the schedule lightens up this year for the Rebels. Uh, even with the, you know, replacing both an OC and DC, I think things are looking up for UNLV, especially when you look at a couple of Mountain West teams replacing coaches going to take a major step down, Nevada being one. I know you like to call them Reno uh, on this network. Uh, And then also Hawaii. So I actually think, uh, best case scenario, you know, we could play with bowl eligibility this upcoming season.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, wow. All right, let's not put the cart before the horse. Let's get to spring first. Let's see what spring looks like. And we're going to get to a couple of spring notes here in one second. But to to build on this point about coaching turnover at the coordinator positions, um, and you just said it, and I saw you tweet at that. So this means with research there are opportunities to – to make money. And I think there's also openings here and there where not every sports book is going to be the most sharp on this stuff because they also have to do the research.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that, that stuff, you can make money not only in the, in the futures market, season win total, but even early on in the season, the markets necessarily have a grasp on what teams that are going to move tempo. You know, I tweeted out one staff that I, th- that I think is really underrated that everyone's talking, obviously, Lincoln Riley, the USC, Ryan Kelly, Dallas, Hugh, and whatnot. And my, you know, I, I, the look at the, you know, the Miami ch- ch- coaching change there. Notre Dame's got a new coach. One in particular that I really like is Texas Tech. So their new head coach is Joey McGuire. Uh, he was a former high school Texas coach, you know, one state championship. So a guy that hasn't been a college head coach, I always look at, you know, who's he's got-a-coordinator. He's getting the Western Kentucky Offensive Coordinator. If you follow Western Kentucky last year, they're one of the most improved offenses in all of college football. Way up Temple. And if you're betting on Western Kentucky totals, or Western Kentucky in particular, you're making a lot of money. So that was an underrated hire. And then a defensive coordinator, uh, I really like that. hire that he made, Tim DeRuder, former Fresno coach, been on the West Coast, uh, and really good 3-4 guy, lot, long-term defensive coordinator experience. So keep an eye on Texas Tech. As a team, I think you might be able to make some money on this upcoming season.
2: You know, another thing you discussed about the changing tides of college football, and I wonder if this translates to betting with more experienced players and teams, uh, the numbers of scholarships now being given to true freshmen are so far down, it's nuts. Wasn't it like six years ago, 2,900 scholarships given in Division One? now it's down to 2,200?
4: Yeah, so 700 less. I mean, that's a lot of kids coming out of high school and not getting opportunities. And keep in mind, that's at the FBS level. I'm sure they're getting a look at the lower levels. But, you know, where are those 700 scholarships going? Well, a lot of it's going to, you know, transfers. Uh And obviously an extra year of eligibility due to COVID uh, is affecting that as well. But, you know, it's a shame. Uh, you know, a bunch of kids coming out of high school that aren't getting the same, you know, power five, group of five opportunities that they were just a couple years ago.
2: But I think it sets up a system that's going to continue to go the way it's going, unless there's major rule changes. Because what it means is th- those kids will go, like you said, they'll play football somewhere, but they're going to play FCS Division II. They could be NAIA, they could be junior college. Which means, from a recruiting standpoint, coaches got to dig into the because th- those guys are going to want to. Hey, I didn't get an opportunity first time around, but you know, then they show I can play Division One football. So that, like, this whole cycle is going to continue. One thing that is definitely going to continue for now is the CFP sitting at four teams. Are you mad about that? Did you want to see expansion? And what do you think of the Pac-12 being one of the big forces that said, you know what, we're going to wait. We don't think our interests are protected right now. We're not going to vote yes on this.
4: So I think a lot of people got it wrong in why those three conferences voted no. It wasn't necessarily that they were against expansion. I think they were against the power that, a uh, particular conference who was gaining. The SEC already, by far, the most powerful conference. And a specific network. I mean, ESPN, uh, you know, them fast-tracking you know, a 12-team playoff without, you know, breaking down as far as the media contracts. I think that's why I got voted down. I mean, I, I think that the, the power that the SEC has, and ESPN in particular, is why those conferences voted no. Now, I, I'm on two different fronts. You know, me, the college football fan, believe it or not, I don't see how 12 teams really solves the parity problem. I don't think 12 teams on a year-in-and-year-out basis, no matter what time frame you're looking at, whether it was the 1940s or the last 10 years, I just don't think there's 12 teams good enough to win a national championship in college football. That's just the way the sport is. But for me as a better, I mean, more games the merrier. So, I mean, I would love a 12-team playoff, plus they'll have the bowl games and whatnot. So, I mean, on that end, you know, I'm a little disappointed.
2: See, this is where you and I disagree. And, again, I will use one of your tweets recently. You had uh, retweeted another college football person and talked about, you know, the path to more parity in college football. I believe they're coming or they're already here. One of the notes was, and I've said this forever, Alabama is cyclical. It doesn't mean, you know, beyond Nick Saban that this thing is going to keep rolling at the level it's rolling. And the other one is there's been a period of time here where schools in recruiting rich areas just haven't been good and then – The top powers are coming in, taking all the players. Well, look what's changing in a lot of those schools now, Brad.
4: Yeah, so I I mean, if you want more parity, I think it's two things. Nick Saban retiring. uh, If you want more parity, that would be huge. I mean, you're talking about the most dominant uh, run and and coach uh, that we've seen in college football history, at least at this point. So that would help. And how is Nick Saban powerful? Well, he goes into those recruiting op-eds california texas florida and picks whoever he wants so if you don't want him doing that anymore if he's not going to retire then that means usc texas texas a&m the three florida schools have to get their act together on the recruiting front and keep those kids at home i think you're seeing that you're seeing a lincoln riley at usc will have a much better effect as far as keeping the la kids at home you'll see that with mario cristobal miami keeping those south florida kids at home so uh, instead of Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama picking and choosing whoever they want across the country, uh, if those schools are getting, just say a couple less guys each and every year, that will create some parity in college football.
2: BradPowerSports.com, at BradPower7, up on Twitter. If you go to his Twitter account, you were already tweeting about spring work being done by uh, G-Tech and New Mexico. So I want to ask you, with college basketball now winding down, the tournament is a really good betting event, so are the conference tournaments has your interest in other sports waned a bit in terms of betting action because college football has become basically a ten-month-a-year sport?
4: It has. Uh, you know, I, I don't try to do the NBA until the playoffs, so that's kind of gone by the wayside the last five, six years. And I, you know, I hate to admit it, but I just don't. I don't put in the time as in the college basketball like you know I used to five, six years ago. Now, with that being said. Conference tournament week, I am all in. I'll work 80 hours that week because I think there's money to be had conference basketball tournament week that the market just can't grasp because games are being played on consecutive days and whatnot. So I'm still doing college basketball, just not uh, not as full-time as what it used to be.
2: I like this. I think there's an opening. I think the Joe can beat the pro maybe, maybe. On the show we used to do on Fox Sports, we used to have a lot of side bets. I'm hearing a crack. I'm hearing a crack, an opening in the college <laughs> basketball landscape. I think I can get you on some bets. Maybe I'll set something up next week.
4: I Sounds gotta look. Good.
2: I look forward to it. Yeah. Well, you're like I'm not threatened at all. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know you can get me, but maybe, maybe I have a little chance here. Brad, we appreciate it. Talk to you next Thursday.
4: Hey, thanks for having me on. Take
2: care. I'm an idiot for going against a pro. He will,
1: he will annihilate me. Yeah, it's not a good idea. By the way, can I can I tell you I. Just saw a headline that made me jump out of my chair when I realized it was not the onion.
0: 22-ounce Bud Light, Budweiser, or Michelob Ultra, plus two hot dogs and two bags of chips, all for just $7.77 at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's
3: Hotel and Casino.